my, my like home screen has changed the way it looks. Is it the same for you guys? I just see you holding a cat over your nose and sniffing its neck. <laughs> that's his staple. That's his go-to. That's listen, bro. That's where I, that's where I went after after the of the days of yawn. <laughs> so, guys, I'm in Palm Desert. That's where I made it to. Um, I would. Is my car too loud in the back? Because I want to run some AC. It is effing hot here. God, it must be hot in the in the what a desert in California. Way more important that you don't overheat than if there's a little bit of uh, AC I, to keep you alive. If, you know? if, if it sounds noisy, I'll just shut the car off and and deal with it for a bit. But yeah. In this episode, we're going to be talking about writing hooks with somebody who clearly understands how to write hooks, has a familiarity with this term that every writer, arranger, producer has some sort of familiarity with it of what it means for what they're doing and building specifically. I'm really happy to have with us uh, Nico Gibbler, who's a legend of his own right. And Nico, if you can just introduce yourself. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Um, I mean, I'm, I guess there's a million other guys who are way better than at hooks than I am, but I have had a little bit of luck and, and kind of been able to understand and question, you know, what these hooks are. Like, what's the difference between the hook and a hit? What makes one thing work versus the other? Uh, I've, I've kind of learned that there's not one size fits all. You know, in my career, I've done a lot of house music and techno stuff and like that. And then I ended up doing hip hop. Uh, and writing top lines and um, working with other bands and kind of like a little bit of across the board. And what that has taught me is that there, like I said, there's not one size fits all approach to hooks because there's so many different things. And the most important thing is what people want to hear and when, I think. Uh, it's, it's a matter of the time, like the, the time or the, the year you're putting out the music and also the matter of the time in the song where a hook comes in. Um, and so it's very important that you can go and Google what's a hook and it's kind of vague, you know, it's like, it's sometimes they, they describe it as a theme. Uh, sometimes it's a combination of notes, but a hook can be rhythmic even. I mean, there's a lot of songs that have it at the beginning of a, of a song and like you hear something like, Oh, you've got your keyboard. That's you know, and, and when you hear that, you, it's the first thing you hear in the song. A lot of other songs have it in the chorus, right? Currently, I'm working with uh, a band called Hot Trash. That's what I'm doing out here in the desert right now. We've got Matt Sorum from Guns N' Roses playing the drums on a lot of these songs. Actually, Billy Gibbons from CZ Top is recording in the other studio, Studio B, up the hill right now. They're actually making tacos. I'm going to go over there. Um, but, you know, the, the hook thing is, it, it's like fishing, right? You you have different types of fish, you have salmon, you have marlin, you might be in the river, you might, and it's quite literal in music, the use of the word hook, it's something that keeps people coming back. Like they can't, they either they want to listen to it over and over and over, or they don't, but they can't stop listening to it in their head. Wow, I love that. And you've definitely just broached on a lot of what I wanted to get into as well. So I'm excited to ask you more about that. And I also love the fact that you've worked uh, in different genres and styles and that we can come from it not just from one angle but from various angles and with that I'd like to also introduce our panelists and get their perspectives and asking questions and getting this dialogue going from multiple perspectives so we have today with us uh thank you oh, I don't know if he's still with us or was or yeah, I'm, I'm here sorry guys. Lee, Lee Curtis who's made it even in the midst of uh 
a seemingly apocalyptic situation from what I can see on the <laughs> internet in uh, California. Haley. Incredible peril. I've made it uh, through the San Bernardino wildfires into the Palm Desert uh, on my way to Austin, Texas today. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I was really excited uh, and I made sure that I pulled off and, and got to a spot where I had signals so I could be part of this one with Nico. Nico, I've worked with him in the studio on, on quite a bit of music here and there. He, he worked with us. He did some session work on Living in the City with Lee Foss. And um, he's currently working with uh, me and my friend Jackson and our new project with our friend Jean-Michel uh, finishing up an album. And I'm really looking forward to digging into it with him because uh, he's second to none. And I'm, I don't I don't mince words and uh, I've never seen anybody that can pick up an instrument and just get it done like him. The, the one thing I wanted to bring up is coming from a house and techno background, or at least what everybody knows uh, from my records. Um, yeah, the hook is an elusive thing and it is extremely vague because when you get into, let's say, the electronic side, some of my favorite old records. It was just the way they were working the cutoff uh, and and uh, the oscillators on the synth, and that synth line runs the entire time, but it keeps you grooving. It keeps you coming back. Uh, and then we go over to something like Prince, and he's got you know maybe a hundred hooks in a song, but uh, you know like so it's super it's super vague. And I just wanted to touch on like my son's obsessed with this Coco Melon show that's little kids music. And like Nico said, this is the part of the hook that I didn't, I wasn't going to bring up because I didn't think of it, but it's the thing that you don't want to listen to that you can't get out of your head. And I'm sitting here today, still driving down the, the driving down the highway going, have you met our hamster? <laughs> it is jelly bean. I'm like, why am I saying this? Ah. You're a worm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, that's, uh, really looking forward to, to talking more about it. We also have with us today Rocio Rocha. Hello, friends. Rocio speaking from Argentina. I'm very happy to meet you, Nico. I've been listening Hi. to Ricochet this morning, and you guys really sound awesome. So I'm very, very eager to learn from you and to get your perspective. Cool. And we also have with us coming live from Ibiza with his shirt off, and thankfully you can't see it, uh, Richard. <laughs> Richard Marshall. Um, hi guys, uh, very happy to be here. Just landed in Ibiza about uh, an hour ago. I'm in the north of the island. Uh, the sun is setting behind me. There's a saltwater pool with my swimming name all over it. So I'm very, very excited to climb into this chat with Nico. I've also been doing my homework on you today and it's uh, spellbinding what you've done. I've got a glass of yerbas in my hand. I don't know if anyone knows what that means, but... Yes, I do. You're living the life right now. The, 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 herbal, the herbal tonic of the, of the Balearics. So, Nico, I'd like to start off, and I think you recently had a gold record. Is that right? Yeah. I, I don't know if that was a question yet, but... Well, <laughs> it was half of it, half the question. Okay. But, and, but I do want to hear actually more about that, too, if you want to talk about the record. That'd be awesome. In your opinion, to make a gold record, does it need to have hooks? First question. No, no, I don't. I don't think you you need to. I mean, gold. Look, gold records uh, come a lot more often than they used to nowadays. Believe it or not, 
uh, it's a lot easier to get a gold record with all the streaming and stuff and the, the relativity of how many plays make a record and whatnot. Of course, it's not easy, especially not in the United States. The numbers are lower in other countries. <clears throat> but um, I mean, there's, there's fantastic music that doesn't have any cooks. And the thing is, a, a, a record, an album can go gold or platinum. That doesn't mean your song's going to be a single. You're still going to be entitled to your record. You know, if you're one of the songwriters on an 11 piece, uh, in an 11 track album, everybody who worked on any one of those songs is going to get be entitled to the record. Um, that same record also went to, or well, that same album went to number one on Billboard in the top 200. It was on top of A Star Is Born, Lady Gaga. It was on top of Beyonce's new record at the time in March last year. Um, and that was, that's the hard. I mean, I think gold, I've met a lot of people who have been entitled to gold records because they were part of the process. Sometimes they were, they were an assistant engineer. I think that if you're going to get the single gold record, I mean, that's, that's top notch because that's, you know, it's very different to get that kind of play count. So let me rephrase the question on a single record, but I don't want to say the genre. Like I'm not saying it's pop music or whatever. Right, right, right. I like how this is all vague right now, but just on a single rec, on a single track uh, that goes gold or that's a number one hit on Billboard, doesn't need to have hooks in order for that to happen. I think the hooks are going to be inevitable. I, they go hand in hand. So one of the things I was thinking about the other day is that I personally never think about writing a hook with that particular purpose in mind. Uh, I feel that for me, uh, starting or having that objective can be counterproductive to the quality of the final product. You know what I mean? It's like if you're thinking, oh, I need to make the hook uh, and, 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 and th this is what I got to do. It, for me, it doesn't, it just doesn't work out because then it feels forced, it feels contrived, I'm trying to fit it in. Or if I have done that in the past, I'm trying to fit in a, a hook when sometimes songs might have it kind of hidden and you don't even know what the hook is half of the time. Needless to say, a lot of money has been made by people who purposely built hooks and songs around them, right. you know? Uh, and that was, and that's kind of like the majority of, of the, the high caliber, let's call it music industry, really works like that, uh, I'd say. But it, would all, it wasn't always like that. And I think that back in the day, and, and you, you can call me a romantic, but I kind of like to stick to a tradition of just write a good song. The hook will be what everybody else tells you is the hook kind of thing. Um, of course, there's a lot of guidelines, but when, once you're done with your pre-production or something, you play it to a bunch of your friends or, or you send it to your label or whatever, and they're gonna be like, oh, this is the part. And you can even ask people like, what do you think the hook is? And, and you'll be surprised at how different sometimes somebody will think that we will rock you in the queen song that the hook is actually the rhythm it's boom 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 that that in itself is hook but but it, or is we will we will rock you the hook like it it it, it just both it, it, both right it, exactly exactly and so that it just kind of depends on who your audience is if you're play, if you're making hooks for house and techno or a particular genre or EDM or whatever, it's going to be one thing. If you're doing a country hook, oh my God, it's, a, it's like night and day. You, it, like, I also feel like with time, hooks have changed so much. So it's become a thing, whereas hooks used to be these long rolling notes. Uh, and, uh, you know, like Whitney or Adele or, or it, it, not even just mentioning, I'm just mentioning them, them because they're very well known. But I feel like with time and with this, collective ADD that that 
these new generations come with and, and their lack of wanting to pay attention for longer than half a second and YouTube and whatnot, I think that staccato hooks are kind of in right now, for example. And um, so it just kind of happens to be what people find uh, catchy and the, the tone has to work with the, the, with the tempo and the modality. It's all about empathy. And if you have empathy to what the people that you're playing the music for or writing the music for are, uh, are open mm. to, then, then, then you're, 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 you're good. And if you don't have to practice or work towards that, if it just comes natural, then you're really good. There's a lot of people who, you know, practice and practice and practice and practice to make, hook, make hooks and they learn to do it and they get really good at it. And then there's some other people like Mozart who just came out and every single thing he ever did, even though it's classical music, is full of hooks everywhere. You know, hmm. so I feel like classical music is like almost a blueprint for pop hooks in a way, yeah. to an extent. Whereas jazz might be the void of like exactly. trying. It's there. There, I think, because it's like one-offs. You know, because jazz isn't so repetitive. Repetitive. Whereas when you look at classical music, you're It's like the beginning of that pop format where the refrain comes back and then it reels you back in, or something happens more than once. And you know, when, you, when, I think of a, when I think of a hook, I really like what you said there about empathy and that idea of relating to, the per, relating to what the person is doing in terms of a vague definition as opposed to quantifying it down and then maybe that thing that will reel you back in. It's interesting to think from that, from a songwriter's perspective or a producer's perspective. I wonder if you're working with a major label. It depends. I love that out, the story of the Let's Dance where they sent it to the label and they were like well all these songs like where are the hooks they're like where right. are they were afraid of putting it out for months and months you know they were holding on to this album that's full of hooks in a sense you know but they couldn't really hear it because it wasn't done in this kind of strict format that they were looked that they were able to really see so that was so obvious so like that, bohemian yeah. rhapsody yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, that's a great example. Same story. Nobody, they, they didn't want to put it out because it was just like, what is this? And you go part by part and it's like, hook, 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 the whole thing. You know, it's, it totally makes sense what you're saying. Uh, Lee, what's your, I want to, when you start talking about electronic music and house music, I really like this, that kind of conversation going in that direction with this, because just trying to define hooks in electronic music and the, that elusiveness of it and the process of that and talking to Nico about that and, and the exchange between you guys. For me, um, always has, always will with electronic music is you get the beat locked in. Like I don't even really want to start writing until I've got a beat that is slapping, you know? And like when, when I'm feeling the beat um, and the beat is like full enough doing something interesting, uh, then I start building the baseline and uh, most and I, I, coming from a bass player. Um, I think that's the way I think about music, but I ended up writing, you know, what I'm, what I moved into working on other types of music, you know, a long time ago, I'm, I'm pretty much write everything off the bass. So it hasn't changed for me when I, when I've worked in other genres, um, but with electronic music and, and house music in particular, um, the beat and the bass end up being either the hook itself or builds the groundwork for you to then do what you want. And I've always felt like what Nico said is that I get the, I get the meat and potatoes done. And then if you need that hook, it presents itself at some point. You 
feel like the track is boring or naked or uh, you, you would like to hear some sort of top line. And it's usually really easy to get to that point where the, where the hook uh, presents itself. Also, there's, a, there's some crazy things happening with, with house music too, where the hook might be a flip. It might be what happens after a breakdown. It might be, it can be super simple stuff. Some of the old Detroit stuff, it just grooves along and then all of a sudden this hi-hat comes in and that becomes a hook. So it's right. even it's even blurrier when we get into house music and um, it's an interesting thing. It's like, I can't tell you exactly what a hook is, but I can tell you when I hear it. The minimal kind of techno stuff that's like very well put together and crafted and then all it takes for you, like when those hi-hats come in, it's like, wow. Well, I mean, listen to to John Bonham's drums. Literally, people have sampled a ton of Led Zeppelin's drums. Uh, Rick Rubin's been all over those those samples for years. And like some of our our favorite records, like the Beastie Boys, were sampled from just John Bonham's drums, locked in that rhythm section to a degree that most drummers can't, and added this style and flavor that set up the rest of the track to do whatever or just be simple in certain certain sections and be super effective so again here we go back to is it is it the singing is it the lyrics yes is it the singer possibly yes is it the guitar riff maybe like let's let's dance um definitely now roger's guitar on that monster hook the with the big delay on it is a gigantic hook. You can't wait to hear it again. And uh, is the bass line a hook? In hip hop, a lot of times that is your hook. It's crazy. It's so, it is so blurry and, and obscure of a, of a topic that I've, I've worked for years trying to get better at hooks, better at hooks. But I find just in my own personal experience that when I lock in the beat and the bass line, the hook becomes, uh, it just becomes apparent, you know? Mm. Can a hook only happen one time? I think it can. Like just Absolutely. Like, like a guitar hook that comes in and then just does something that's totally signature. And there it is. And that makes the record, just elevates the record because it's got this like signature guitar hook in it or whatever it is. Some of my favorite guitar solos are Kurt Cobain's and he's just literally playing the, the melody of the song again with some crazy effects, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Version that's a little bit interesting, a fifth or yeah. a third that he'll go off and... I mean, I feel like also sometimes uh, the hook, like I said, it's like this perfect storm situation, right? Uh, it's like when you put out a record. In order for a record that you want it to be successful or the, a record that ends up being really successful in whatever genre it is, right? Mm. Um, it has to come out at the right time it has to have the exact thing that, like that empathy that we were talking about uh, and, and ha- have all these things. Now, sometimes the hook might be the combination of the lyrics and the melody at the right place at the right time. Sometimes the hook will be instrumental and, and this kind of rolls nicely, but instrumental hooks can be monumental. You know, if you think about all these ADM songs like, like that's, instrumental and, if you, and you already know what that is like Martin Garrix thing uh not my particular cup of tea it's not what I listen to but that's all I know about the song uh, 
you know, and, and or or like you can think hooks as also if you look at the commercial side of music licensing, let's say non, let's do work for hire, let's call it. Uh, you have Coca-Cola, always Coca-Cola. You have like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You have ba -da -ba -ba -ba. I'm loving it. These yeah. are hooks in their own right. They're just designed for something else. You know, it's, it's a different thing. But at the end of the day, it's all music. Uh, and it's all empathizing to something. And like you said, can the hook be just played once? Uh, yes, it happens. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's the standard. I, I think it's not. I think that those are the, the, the very stellar exceptions mm -hmm. of, oh my God, that hook. And, and those are the records that go on to be platinum or diamond or, or whatever. They, the, that one Michael Jackson thing that happens once in the song, and that's what you remember. Now, Whitney, Whitney is, a, Whitney is a good example of that too. The singers that can do something that's so extraordinary that, you know, just bl that makes the record. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, you- No, 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 for sure. Yeah. I, I think that we were talking about a little bit about electronic music uh, and house and, and, and I think that, of course, the DJs, and, and this is something I kind of had written down in my notes for today, but I was going to talk about it later, but uh, I feel like the DJs, um, should never loop a hook. And this is for all the DJs out there that are listening. I think if a hook works, it works largely in part for the amount of times it repeats itself in a song. No more, no less. Because it's kind of like that Fibonacci perfect golden ratio thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that just works. By looping, looping a hook in the middle of a set, whether you're a pop DJ or a hip hop DJ or a dance music DJ or whatever, you kind of run the risk of annoying and potentially pushing away your listeners because that's not meant to be listened to so many times in one go. So it potentially even ruins it for the songwriter or the copyright holder for that end, end game listener because the person will never hear the song the same way after that, you know? It's extremely psychologically ingrained in people. It's like earning trust over time, you know? You, you, you earn trust, like if Lee and I have been friends for a really long time, We've done things for each other. We've helped each other in times and we've done this and we, we know that we can trust each other. But if all of a sudden Lee does something to me or I do something to him and, and I mess that up, it, you, it's like putting a nail in the wall. You pull out that nail, the hole's there permanently until you cover it up. So, mm -hmm. so that's just like a little, a little side note for the DJs, like loop the parts right before the hook, endlessly if you want, or right after the hook, endlessly. But as soon as the hook, you want to drop that hook into your DJ set. Make sure that it just, if, if it, in the original mix of the song or the radio edit or whatever, it comes in twice, just leave it, let it play twice. Don't wear out your hooks. You Don't heard wear it out your first. Nico exactly. Gibbler, DJs out there, beware when it comes to those hooks. Teasing is sometimes more valuable than pleasing. Totally. <laughs> a 22 year veteran <laughs> of DJing, I'll make a little side note is like, don't be afraid to mix those records. They ain't gonna bite you. If, you, if they sound good together, <laughs> don't, yeah, don't loop the hooks, get creative, start mixing. You know, I, I see a lot of this like pre-programmed beat match, beat match by the CDJ kind of DJing where people have all, almost like fought the entire thing out. And it's like, you know, they used, used to do that type of stuff when they were scratching like crazy because they had to know what records they were gonna double and spin back and then and put back in like you ain't doing none of that get creative with the mixing you just got two really great pieces of wisdom from uh from people here who seem who who really actually care about hooks and music so 
So think about that. <laughs> and dance music too. I, Sorry? I said, and I also care deeply about dance music too. So exactly, sure. Yeah. Um, Rocio, I, I'd like to actually get your get you engaged with Nico and asking some questions as an up and coming producer and who's been, you know, learning and making music, something that you've been thinking about. And do you have any questions for Nico regarding this? Any instrument or anything that triggers emotion, right? That's when the empathy um, comes oh. in. So I think that as long as I, that's what I feel when I am producing, I take deep care to imprint the whatever emotion I'm trying to get out, right? So I feel that if I am able to translate that emotion through music and to make people feel that emotion, it will be a hook anyway, some, somehow. And that's why there are many hooks within one song because I feel, I may feel it identified with one, with one specific instrument that implies one emotion, what, what, one range of frequency that triggers one emotion um, and maybe there's another part of the song that has a, maybe a major chord and it's way happier. And if I'm feeling happier now, then I may relate more to that part of the song. So that's why I feel that it is important to imprint emotion and, to, and that the hook will come by itself. Naturally. Well, totally. So Nico, when you're making a record then, if you're working on a record, do you, will you stop after, like, let's say you're happy, you get it to a point where like, oh, this sounds pretty good and you want to play it for some people, get some feedback, or I don't know your process exactly, but I'm just saying, let's say it's like at around a stage like that. Are you going to listen back ever and then think to yourself, oh, you know what this record is missing is hooks. Is that ever a thought in your process? More, look, to be honest, yeah. what happens more often than not, uh, rather than it being, it needs hooks, I, I feel like I really don't have a problem with that that much, as much as this hook's too cheesy. Get rid of it. Ah, cheesy factor. You know? so, not because you're trying, but sometimes, you know, it depends on the music you listen to. Like, I grew up in a very musical household. Both my parents played the piano. My dad was classical music, but my mom was pop music. I was listening to Ray Charles and playing the Beatles when I was five years, like already with my mom playing the right hand, you know, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So. Of course, if, you li if you're listening to She Loves You, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got that since you're a kid and you've got all these different I'm guilty, things. I'm guilty. Of course, yeah, yeah. At that you. time, it was really cute and it was really new or on Chain Melody or whatever it is. But nowadays, with mm. this whole change in perspective of people, maybe I'll go in and I'll throw something down that sounds like Peter Gabriel style hook that just doesn't work right now. It, yeah. It's about that time thing. And, 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 and I really, I'm, I'm at fault there because I do that a lot. I have a very uh, traditional songwriting background from the music that I you know, grew up listening to. Um, a lot of the times I feel like um, the hook, like we're, we're trying to break it down, right? We're trying to figure out what really is a hook because someone might say it's, it's, it's a feeling and it's all of the above. It's not one or the other, it's the feeling. It could be the lyrics, it could be the rhythm, it could be this, it could be all that. Um, I think we talked about the empathy and em I think there's another word there that is very similar to empathy, but not quite the same, which is relatability. Mm. Um, when you listen to something like, and, and I can speak only from personal experience, but you listen to something like Perfect Like You, like that Ricochet record that did fairly good for us. Um, what people relate to is the longing in the song. I wish that I could find somebody perfect like you. I don't think people are 
sure, the melody might be a big part of it, but I think that when you say a message in that particular case, the hook was really the, the lyrics. Why? You, you look at a song that might say, Joanna, Joanna, or Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. The listener might replace the name of the person in their minds or, or and, and apply the attributes of the person. If it's one of those types of songs where you're talking about, let's say, a particular person or a particular place or something, and then they apply those attributes to themselves if it's really close to home mm. or to somebody else. That's what hooks them. Because all of a sudden, the song's not yours anymore, as the song went. The song is theirs. And that's our job. It, it, you know, someone once told me many, many years ago, we don't come up with this. We, we're channeling. And I, I'm not religious. I'm not very religious. Well, I'm not, I'm not religious at all. I'm, I'm spiritual. So, and I'm a mind of science and I like physical stuff. So I kind of do understand the whole energy thing and whatnot. But I, I don't want to get into that. But I really do believe... Uh, at least in my own understanding of the universe at my 36 years of age, that the music's not coming from inside of us. We've got these antennas and some people have antennas that are more fine tuned and have the capability to represent what they're hearing in their head to an instrument or to singing or having perfect pitch or being able to produce. That talent, talent comes in many different ways, um, but it, it really is important that, that you kind of realize that you can you can create these things just to put them out and if you do your job right it's no longer yours you're done with it you might get paid from it you might make some money you might not it's not the point so that's the beauty of it sometimes you make music or the majority of the times you'll make music not even caring if it's going to be a record uh or a hit record and and then and then sometimes you make money with the records you like the least it's it really comes down to that, you know, um, and, and just kind of like going on on that. Many, many years ago, a techno producer or te uh, techno house music, I don't know. He was, uh, his name's David Kay, and he was part of that Freakin' Chic. You remember those guys, Lee? Uh, the yeah. Freakin' Chic label? So yeah. I met him, and I did not know him. This is like maybe 15 years ago. I was already writing pop music in my own, like, own world. I wasn't releasing pop music, certainly not getting any gold records or billboard plays or anything like that at the time. But he came in and played a show in Monterey, Mexico, where I'm from. And we had a studio and promoter said, hey, why don't you go, go work with these guys? So he came over and he told me something very, very wise. Um, and he said that music in general, I don't know if he was talking about only house music and techno, but I took that, that thing and I made it a part of my music production and music songwriting experience. He said, music is about questions and answers. So, so sometimes you got like, uh, and then that's a question. And then you come back with the next part and you answer to that. Like, I love that. That's awesome. For many, many years, I thought that applied to everything in music. And, and that was my ethos. And it has been my ethos when making music. Never leave open-ended anything but then recently, when I talked to you, Clarion, and you said, let's do this, talk about the hooks, I started thinking, and I said, oh my God, the hook is exempt from that rule. The hook is an open-ended question mm. that the listener is going to answer in his own head. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Because you don't, you don't fulfill the hook loop. You don't loop the hook. You give them the hook, yeah. and then they go, 
they start thinking about all the answers about what that you just, one you just went to like inception with hooks like you just brought it down into <laughs> hooks within hooks one of my favorite movies but yeah but that's it's funny because i guess from this question of empathy and relating to it so the person who's listening to it defines the hook for themselves of what it is because it has to be relatable then the discussing what a hook is in itself could be could be also coming up with an a answer. rabbit hole <laughs> which is why i think we're going to probably need to do multiple parts on the series with this and have you back because already can't believe it's already 45 minutes and i feel like i still have no idea i'm like exactly where we started here but i'm really enjoying i'm really enjoying this this conversation i think this for me is the coolest subject with with like 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 for me this is doing it for me because I, I think this is so elusive and ethereal and it's you can bang your head on the wall when you don't have it and you can dance around your studio in your undies when you do have it you know <laughs> and, and uh I, I did i was thinking back i think that des uh des powell and i we did that the record on classic a little while back all right did pretty well the erotic tendencies one and i was thinking when i think of that track because des and i were we were getting deep because des is uh, a really incredible keyboard player like like nico and uh a great vocalist and we're riding the whole hook that's just like too nasty too naughty you nasty i want it and it gets the listener and even myself when we were making it into this groove and you think that's what the track is and then we do this walk up and drop down and into like an e flat minor and the whole track just changes completely and every time i've played it on a dance floor everybody likes it and then it does that and so i was thinking that was the one time we did just a one-off hook because to me when i think of that song that is the hook it's mm -hmm. crazy so now, now I'm second guessing and rethinking any hooks that I have made. You know, what's the hook, right? What's the hook? <laughs> what was the hook? What makes it a great? It's like a, it's like a TV show, like a game show. <laughs> yeah, totally. what's the hook? You just have like Jamie Foxx, like, okay, I'm gonna play five seconds of this, and you're like, is it this one or is it this one? Totally. And it's funny because everybody could buzz in and go, for me, you know, <laughs> exactly. talking about let's dance. It's that Nile Rodgers guitar that gets me every time. But somebody else would be like, no, it's when he goes, let's dance. And it's the chords. Right. And with so, so it's like, we don't have, we still, we're going to talk for an hour here and not have an answer. But we sort of, I like this whole channeling stuff, channeling and uh, an energy and a vibe and, and running with it. But also it's like, what happens when you're not, when you're channeling the wrong one that day, you know? Right. Mm. But I, I, I mean, I think that there's, you know, like it's you're you're hitting it straight on. Like on the, the the point, it's some some people might say it's this one. You ask the same per the question to the same person. The 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 biggest hooks, the biggest songs are going to be the ones that everybody can agree on. I right. think so. That's exactly where I thought Lee. I was. That's where Lee was taking me to with my thinking. Because then yeah. it's that question of well, then it's like this thing of reality. Like, how do you know that the light is green? Because enough people are like, well, that light is green. And that's exactly. why it's a green light. Now, you know for sure it's a green light. Well, you know in your head, right? But then there's that commonality factor. And that, that kind of has to do with music in a sense of that whole pop, pop music, the popularity aspect, when it's unaffected, you know, in its purest 
unaffected by marketing and blah, 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 yeah, whatever, you know, that's another conversation. But just that idea of that enough people listening to Lucy in the Sky and Diamonds, if you talk to any, but I think if you talk to most people and you say, Lucy in the Sky and Diamonds, like what's the, what's the part there? They're gonna know what part it is. Yeah, they're gonna, you know. Uh, and another thing that's really important, sometimes hooks are a single note. You notice that? One note. So think about, uh, uh, I got a woman, Ray Charles. So you got your verse, I got a woman, way over time, she good to me. Oh yeah. I got so that key, it's not until you get to, she gives me money. That's your hook. And that was yeah. the hook before Kanye took, ran with it. But it's, the, it's a variation of the same verse and that's it. For that's sure. what everybody comes to that part of the song. Everybody's like, she gives money. Billie Eilish, that, that uh, what's the name? I was like, oh. that's not the hook. The hook is, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I think I've only heard that song. I don't really know her music that well, but I know I mean, the melody. The, but, but I don't know that. Just, For me, the hook is the melody in, like that. <laughs> what's in the, the middle of the song, <laughs> right before, but before it comes back to the chorus, she yeah. just stops the whole music and she says, duh. But okay. everyone that knows this song says, duh. Not everybody sings along. And that's what they're waiting for. It's like a, 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 the, the payday right. of, yeah. of the song. Um, and, and so that just kind of brings me to a lot of hooks are chorus based. A lot of them are not chorus based. If you think about Money for Nothing, Dire Straits, your hook is I Want My MTV. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Not, not Money for Money for nothing and the chicks for free. Thinking of the song except for. It's I, I want my MTV because that's iconic, you know. It's like, right, exactly, yeah. and, and then and then you have something like John Williams Jaws. That's your hook. Right. Yeah. Here comes the shark, you know. So it, it really doesn't matter. The sky's the limit when it comes to writing these things. And I mean, I could totally hear that Jaws theme playing inside of a techno song in a warehouse in Berlin, like heavy duty panorama bar. Dun, dun, I think dun, I have. Dun, dun. That, that, I know, that's what I'm saying. I haven't, <laughs> but I can totally see you going that's like. <laughs> um, and, and so when you listen to the old time hooks and you think of something like Rod Stewart, Young Turks, uh, or, that's or, good. Yeah. or Tom Petty, Free Falling, Drum machine, or, Young Turks. You know, these are like these long extended um, uh, notes, but uh, that just kind of to, to summarize and kind of finish off on that topic, I think that as a rule of thumb right now, at least things will change. Things are, are always changing. Things are never going to stay the same. But as a suggestion for the guys that are trying to come up with hooks right now, if you're really interested in hitting something that's appealing to that, teenager or young 20s crowd right now i think long hooks are not in i think short hooks uh whether it's i mean the lyrics whether it's when you're writing the song uh choruses used to be one thing now that it's something else and your verse can that might as well be your hook so something to keep in mind that's actually that's actually a really interesting question that uh when you're talking about time would you say nico that there is a time limit to a hook i mean it depends on the tempo of the song if the song's in 60 bpm that time's gonna be a lot longer. The yellow one, like, oh yeah. Yes, yeah. Hey, well guys, actually can I, cause I've been dying to actually ask this question and uh, you just segued there perfectly, Karen. Am I, am I coming through? I'm not sure my signal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, cool. So um, yeah, because to me it's, uh, does everyone know this, this song Rage by Arm? Um, 
in this in this crew. What is it? Which one? Which one? Um, uh, uh, Rage by Arm. Arme. Oh yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, yeah, I don't remember, but I, I heard it. Yeah, I played it. It's, uh, oh, oh, R E J. Yeah, yeah, Rage. Oh, yeah. I think it's, I think yeah. I called it. Mind being blown by the black holes of hooks that we're going into here. Would it be right in saying that that is essentially an extended hook that that lead synth on that tune the whole way through because yeah, it doesn't sure. actually repeat itself. It it hooks you, but not by giving you that um, pay or that payday as as you were saying, Nico. You know, it's not actually there, but there's something about that tune that just dawned on me while we're having this conversation that leads me to want to know from from I suppose all three of you with your vast experience if that lead on that song would be considered a hook because to me it feels like it is it, it keeps you hooked on the song and that that's the hook that goes on for like six minutes then if you talk about how right. long a hook can actually be that's an awesome example actually that's like kind of progressive techno exactly track it's you know? based i mean there's the just the notes the the timber i think of the way the timber sounding of the arp it, you know, it's this beautiful analog art that comes in juxtaposed to this very dark landscape, which is just this, you know, it's just a four yeah. four with a very gritty bass. And that then we have this beautiful bass. juxtaposed arp, which is on the offbeat. So it sounds a little bit strange, but then it comes in and it's catchy and, it, and then it creates this kind of loop pattern that is progressing, like a classic progression, classic progressive move, you know? Can a loop go on for 32 bars, I suppose? I mean, is that, is that feasible or does if it default stop being a loop because of that? Talk, I mean, look, ab absolutely. I think, look, what I was saying about the DJs looping uh, a part of the song that's, you know, the hook or the chorus or whatever we want to call it right now for these purposes uh, is one thing. But when, and, and Lee and, and Clarion and everybody who's making music in the studio will, will attest to this. Sometimes you get to a point where you have your beat, right? And you have your bass line and you have your groove going and maybe you have like a, an arpeggio uh, and an arp going, just kind of going and going and going. And you can listen to this thing, this four bar loop for days and not get tired of it. And, and I think that really establishes um, when you've, you know you've got a foundation. Whether that's a hook or not, it's to be debated. I don't, I don't think that in itself is a loop, but you, it goes hand in hand, I'm sorry, the, the hook, it goes hand in hand with the hook because you have that solid foundation that, in, especially in a house music song, that's a loop, right? You're, you're working on a loop. You're not listening to a one minute track as a producer or a songwriter. You're, you're listening to this thing because you're fine tweaking the sounds or you're getting the mix better or something. And all of a sudden it pops and boom. And, and you can literally listen to this and not, it won't get old. I like that we've gone into all these nuances and we're definitely being like, listen, listen, it's not this one thing, it's not this other thing, it can be all these different things. Let's be, met we're metaphysical about it and we're being open to these different ideas. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. But I do wanna go back and just ask you one question for my last question on this subject for now. Um, going back to pop music specifically, traditional, huh? traditional pop music, when I'm thinking about like classics back from like 60s and the 50s, there's like this structure, right? There's a structure yeah. and, and of course there are exceptions and we've, ta we've been talking, I think for the most part, we've been talking about the exceptions. But if we talk about the generic formula of a pop song, you know, from back in the day, uh, and you would have, you know, like a verse, pre-chorus, the chorus, generally the hooks, would be in the chorus, 
from yeah. TV, that's where I would see the hooks being. And then, so you're listening for the chorus because that's the catchy element. And that's why in Motown, they say, you know, you got to have that chorus coming in the first 30 seconds, you know, for it to be, right? because you know, it's got to hit right away. You got to hit with the, the hook, hit with the chorus. But today, I feel like music is just extrapolated in so many different abstractions and styles that I wonder, in, from your perspective, in pop music now, uh, a lot of these guys that you're talking about that were the classic hit productions of the 70s, 80s, 60s, maybe even 90s, yeah. they're still around. David right. Foster is one of the greatest songwriters that ever lived, and he's still around writing hits for people. His style is going to be his style. He, he might have to adapt to the times and, and do things a certain way and whatnot. But yes, uh, intrinsically, originally, the, the hooks... And the songwriting was a lot simpler. You know, you had a verse, you had a chorus, you had a pre-chorus, you go back to your chorus. And there was what they called back in the day, the hits uh, rocket, what was it called? Hit song science. And they would talk about, there was a book about it many, many years ago. I didn't read the whole thing, but I kind of dabbled in it. And, and it just talked about the different, the one, three, four, or, you right. know, going from your first major to your, to your third, your harmonic third or whatever. You don't, even need to, you don't even need to read a book because after you listen to so many of those songs, it's like the structure it. is there, right? You know what I mean? Like it becomes... It's a, it's a template. It, yeah. it, it, really, it really is a template that people can, can follow. I think listening to a lot of this music, the perfect example for me today of yeah. somebody that effortlessly writes hooks after hook after hook and it just every piece of the song you can remember is uh tame impala i think tame impala consistently every one of their songs even if they're not singles it's like hook central even john mayer said it when when that last record came out he's like this is he's one of the greatest uh what's what's his name um kevin parker kevin parker yeah. kevin parker kevin parker is one of the greatest hook writers of our day because he's so, he, first of all, the, the sonic qualities of his productions are very unique. I'm not going to say they're the best in the world, but they're very unique. He's doing things that other people didn't do, like, like adding uh, a reverb before the distortion and stuff like that, that might add to the fact that that hook might be more memorable. That, that's another thing we haven't talked about, the mix down. Right, the production, the mixing. Incredibly, the mix down is going to be detrimental. If your hook is too low in the mix, mm. it's got to pop. It's got to cut through the middle. If your hook is too spread out and, it's, and it sounds washy, unless your song is not like, that's what you're going for, where it's really washed out. And uh, I, I'm not a very big reverb guy, for example. That's just my personal thing. I don't like slapping huge reverbs on vocals. I like dry. I like things to sound like prints and, and you know, like... Well, that, it, it, that's much more of a pop appeal, you know. If you're dry, if you're drowning stuff in reverb, things are going to be less tonal. You're not going to hear things as clearly. Your your audio quality is being deprecated. You're not you don't hear in pop music things drowned in reverb like shoegazy over the top. You're going to generally hear a nice, clean, clear, dry vocal that may have reverb, but it's not slapped on top. It's underneath, and it's helping right. bring out the the beautiful element of it. I think that there are bands that get away with big reverbs and one of them is U2 and Bono, you know, and, but that's because they're coming from the eighties and that's why they can continue to do that because their fan base is already used to listening to them with a reverb, which was what was standard back then. You know, everything was huge. Everything was wet. All the toms sounded like they were in a cavern and, and, and reverse snares and everything was just, there wasn't <laughs> a lot of, of room for space. Um, but 
again, that's something we can we can talk about some other time. Uh, if I have a chance right now to just send a couple of shout outs, like shameless plug time. Um, I'm working with this guy called Dylan Cooper, one of the most talented rappers I've had the pleasure of working with. And one of the most talented musicians that I that I know he he's a guitar player he's uh endorsed he endorses fender they made a stratocaster for him he he raps he's from new york he's he's young i think dylan's like 26 or 25 uh, so i i made some music with him and i'm really looking forward to it another guy i'm working in hip-hop as well sterling hayes he's out of uh chicago from uh chance the rappers crew uh save money chicago and i got a couple records out with him check him out he's really true like honest in in what he's rapping about um like i said before i'm, I'm working with run in rancho b with this this band called hot trash which i uh co-produce a lot of the, the music with and and we're just coming up with everything uh, i want to send a shout out to my partner jake from ricochet uh to john michel lapointe who is my partner at owl foot ranch which used to be the barn where they shot mr ed the tv show uh and then in the 50s. And in also the, working with uh, Lee, right? Is that and, and exactly? And we're working with Lee. And uh, and 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 last but not least, I mean, my wife will be last but not least. But before that, my one wheel crew in Los Angeles, my my Los Angeles one wheel crew, uh, LA mm -hmm. Sorry, <laughs> we can ask that out. <laughs> so that, that's it. Okay, that's quite a plug. Thanks, Nico. Okay, well, we're actually, Sorry. we're gonna do this thing called picks before we end. And basically in picks, uh, since you're not familiar with it, what we do is we just go around and we just talk about something that we're into lately. Uh, and it can, or a plug, we can plug something. It could be anything related to music or not related to music at all. It could be movies, uh, video games, well, or whatever it is. Does anyone have any picks or would like to go first? Well, listen, can I, can I start simply because, um, as you guys know, I was in Bristol uh, this time a week ago, then I had to pop into London to my flooded flat and then fly out here. Um, so I've been too busy to like, actually uh, get, a, get a, a pick down. So I'm just going to remind everyone out there that there's this delicious herbal liqueur <laughs> called Yedvass. <laughs> Um, and uh, you should get your hands on some because uh, it's, I mean, it's the first thing I bought when I got into Evita. I bought it, the little Superma cat down the road. Uh, you can get it, I don't know if you can get it anywhere else in the world, but that's, listen, I, I had to be um, arbitrary, but I thought I'd just get the ball rolling because I don't actually have a pick. So my pick is Yerbas. That's a good pick, man. It's also a digestive. So it, it, it is, it's yeah. good for you. No, no, that is an excellent pick, Richard. Thank you very much. Um, I'm here all night, guys. I'm here all night. Okay, my pick this week, it's an app. It's called uh, The Pattern. It's based on astrological studies, but when you get into it, you won't read about signs or planets itself, but you have to put your birth date, birthplace, and also birth time, the more precise, the better. And it will start telling you the patterns that, I, that are within you, uh, whether that be, for example, some of mine, to give you an example, let me see, strong-willed and powerful, complex and deep, committed and reliable. So you will get to go deeper into yourself and know yourself better through this app. You can also run bonds uh, to see how you can relate to the people who are close to you, what things you can learn from each other. So I think this, is, this app gives a really, really good insight um, and it helps to self now to best know oneself. So I really, really recommend it. Right, so with another gemstone pick, eh? 
Perfect. Oh, yeah, here I am plugging earbuds, and she's got us. She's got us sorted out. <laughs> Lovely pick, Rasia. Make everybody just teeth and know the future. Yeah. <laughs> My pick is an open-ended one, but um, I bought a used Volvo a while ago, and I sell cars in another life uh, back in Detroit. <laughs> And, and uh, I've driven a lot of cars and I've dealt with a lot of cars. And this is not newer Volvo. Uh, and I just love this car so far, but I'm gonna leave it open-ended. Gets me to Austin with absolutely no hiccups. Hmm. I'm gonna double down on that pick. But if it, if anything <laughs> where it breaks down, then I'll be swearing and I'll, I'll take this pick back. So <laughs> and this isn't, this, isn't, uh, that, this isn't Lee Curtis. The car salesman talking, right? This is Curtis, the uh, the audio engineer producer talking. So if you're in the if you're in the Austin area and you're looking for a nice, <laughs> this is funny. Come we, down to Curtis Auto Sales. Check out our selection. Yeah. We're, we're laughing, but I think for people who don't know, didn't you used to work in cars with as a car salesman in Detroit or in the? Uh, Detroit, yeah, I, I I got a job selling cars before I. Um, it was a terminal job anyway. There was no way I was gonna last. My boss was like, my boss used to go, hey. Lee, did you go do your bleep blop music this weekend? And he laughed at me. He was actually very cool because he didn't fire me for coming in late. Or, and it, like he was like, "Hey, wow, congratulations! Vodka is supposed to be the one drink that you don't smell like the next day, and you've achieved the ability to Whoa. smell." And, <laughs> and he's like, "Can you shave next time you come in?" Wow. And it was like, so I had a cool boss that would just pick on me for knowing that I was, you know in my 20s and uh had a zest for living you could say um but yeah it, it just came to the point where i was like i literally can't do this so i i and i haven't looked back and it's been great so i i actually you gotta you gotta take these kind of experiences in life and and uh appreciate them because i don't know if i could appreciate being able to go out to my studio in and day out as my job unless i went to a cubicle in an office and stared at a car lot in the dead of winter with no no customers for days on end, you know. So like, what is a hook? What is reality? What is that? <laughs> Bosses beware of if you're hiring a musician or a producer. You know, if they show up in the morning smelling like a substance which you shouldn't, which you can't even generally smell, it it shows that they're persistent at least if not at their work but with their re with their passions for music and production All parts. <laughs> um <laughs> that reminds me of my 20s too actually uh and i guess i'll pick vitamin d <laughs> um <laughs> no i've been taking vitamin d for a few months so why not i'll plug it especially because i was up in montreal for a long time and in, in the winter there's no you know it's like there's forget about it you're not getting any sense so vitamin d it's uh don't take it without asking your doctor i guess because i'm not a doctor and i don't want you to take something if but i've been taking vitamin d and uh i take a little bit of it in the morning for the past few months and i don't know i feel okay i think it's cool. maybe not <laughs> vitamin d Listen, vitamin D is best imbibed in Ibiza with a glass of yerba, so I can vouch for that one. Yeah, that's the vitamin D I wish I had, was, is the Ibiza <laughs> sun. Unfortunately, I got a roll with Adrian Gagnon 
easy to swallow, <laughs> maintains bones and teeth. I've been doing a lot of camping, so just anything related to camping. I just bought a Kodiak tent. If you guys are going camping and you want something that's reliable and uh, canvas and all season, mm. uh, there, there's just nothing like it. They're heavy, but you could, it's not like a thing where you take it, it's like 90 pounds. So you don't want to take it up on a hike. But if you do have some campgrounds wherever you are in the world and, and you can go and do some camping or like some um, dispersed camping and just kind of set your car and then take out your tent, it's definitely the best tent you can get for the money. So Kodiak tents for sure. Nice. How much are those tents? Um, I got a 10 by 14 foot, um, which is what, like 3.33 meters by 4 meters or so. I don't know, something like that for those who know meters. Uh, mm -hmm. 10 by 14 foot, and I think it was like $700. Absolutely worth it. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for tuning Thank in. I, oh yeah, I had a catchy thing I wanted to say. The catchy tagline now is uh, blah, 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 stay safe, and keep on <laughs> doom squirreling. Oh yeah. <laughs> Don't forget lingo. Listen to APL lingo. Oh. That's pretty good. And, and keep on doom squirreling.